1: Good morning and welcome to Zero of the Day. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, going to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We're hoping to help you uh, feel liberated, empower, engage, transforming, present a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. Also, to help you our listeners empower you to know and impact the world around you and as always you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey several ways you can do it primary way you can do it if you want to get your thoughts on the air live you call 347-237-5230 this is a talk show so you can call to get your thoughts on the air also the chat room is open so you can go to com slash zero today and you can um get into the chat room and share your thoughts there also if you want to you can go to our visit our Facebook page zero network on Facebook and there you can uh, share your thoughts and uh, catch up on uh, archive shows from uh far back as 2010 um, so we've got plenty of things to do also follow me on Twitter, uh, at Prophesy is my handle, at Zero Radio is the show handle, so you can share on both of those, and any other place that we are, if you want to send me a personal email, it's PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com, uh, that's ways that you can get in touch with us and uh, join in the show, we got a great show planned for you this morning, having a bit of a technical difficulty, I can't really hear myself, so uh, I'm using uh, some other means of, of hearing. So just bear with us today. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Creflo Dollar. And I don't know how I missed this at the beginning of the year, but uh, he, he he went off. He went off on It was interesting to see that. So we'll talk about uh, he, he, he um, went off on a heckler who interrupted his watch night sermon. And so the question we'll be asking is, you know, uh, was that too much? And should have passed to do that. Should have passed to even address hecklers uh, during the sermon. Well, things of like that you nature. Know, that's what we're going to talk about. A uh, couple of headlines we'll get into. But let's first go to Lord. Oh, by the way, I have my little dude here. My little, my dog Jackson is here with me. So if you hear me being distracted, that's him. Not me. It's, that's him. <laughs> so just saying that. Yeah, he He's roaming about. Uh, he'll, he'll be trying to get my attention. I'm sure. But Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we bless you. We thank you for this day. This is truly a day that you made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Now, God, let the words of our mouth and meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Now and always, our rock and redeemer. We say this in the name of your son. Amen. All right. It is Wednesday, the 13th. And people don't care about what day it is because or the date because it is Powerball Wednesday, 1.5 billion is probably more than that by now. A 1.5 billion dollar Powerball jackpot. That means that the winner, whoever they win, if it's an individual, could possibly win as much as 800 million dollars after taxes. All uh, probably what? Yeah, man, that's a lot of money. I ain't going to lie. I'm in a pool. <laughs> I am in a pool for this jackpot. And I, I don't use the pay, play lottery. I don't care about it. But it's just fun. Just the, the idea that our group could possibly win a lot of money. And there was a lot of memes going around. And, you know, it was one crazy meme that uh, at one point three million billion, $1.3 billion and uh um, everybody could win $4.3 million. Of course, the math was wrong. Everybody would win $4. Uh, but I read an interesting article in the Christian Post that uh, asked the question about uh, how the pastors feel about uh, the Powerball. And me personally, you know, if you want to try your luck, go right ahead. Uh, uh, casting lots is all throughout the Bible, so, you know, you can't say gambling ain't in the Bible addiction that's a different story gambling problem is a different story uh it, it's just interesting to me how many non-gambling folks non a lot of folks are talking about trying to win that money and you know i was asked the question what would you do and i'm posing this question to you out there too you can you can send it to me and reply to it. what would you do if you won you know, I, I already put down a litany of what I would do, and basically, my would be community empowerment and, and giving back to the church or organizations that are empowering and helping communities. That's basically it. I I don't need a lot to live off. I mean, you know, I don't buy. I wouldn't buy a multi-million dollar house just for myself. I wouldn't do that. I would definitely establish trust for my nieces, nephews, and godchildren. That that would be. Uh, a, a priority scholarships uh, for aspiring students, and uh, I really would, you know, provide endowments for uh, HBCUs. I I would do that and help them, you know, educate students. That, that's one thing I would do. Uh, other thing, you know, I, I'm just I'm a giver, so I yeah, I would tie my church, my connectional church would be very well gifted. They'd they, they they'd have enough. I, w- I would do that. I mean, I'm one of those persons I could, uh, even after tithing, I wouldn't be able to live off the 90%. Unfortunately, course, you know, I, looking at my student debt, <laughs> that's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> that would be paid. Student loan would be paid. and and I'd probably be going back to school for some other degrees. Who knows, you know? But or start my own school. There's a number of things I would do. But, uh, I've never been selfish and never plan to be selfish, but that's how it is. And, and speaking of speaking of the, that lottery, uh, there's another story that uh that I just read. It's also from the Christian Post, and this is I this story is. Every pastor's dream, every pastor, whether it came to and it or not, every pastor wishes this story was their story. What is this story? Eagle, Blake, Eagle Brook Church, which is in uh, Minnesota, the uh, Twin City area, So a mega church, has about 21,22,000 weekly attenders, multi site church. Uh, it, it, it built a multi-million dollar complex some years ago. And the pastor, you know, went to congregation and said, look, you know, I'm going to try to help us out. You know, I know y'all are going to give, and I know we got an obligation. But he said he took it upon himself to kind of help the church out by soliciting uh, wealthy donors. And so he went he went and um, and solicited uh donations and came across this uh wealthy investor who said, Well, you know what? I will not only give towards your your uh your debt, I pay the debt off. How much was the debt? 17 million dollars. So the pastor was proud to say just last month that uh this wealthy donor did not just contribute toward the mortgage of the church, but paid off the entire debt of the church that would have taken 15 years, uh, paid it off before. Wow. Every pastor wants that. Every pastor wants that one wealthy member. And one member that they, they. and this guy wasn't even a member of the church. He just, you know, he he respected the pitch that the pastor came. The pastor said uh, in the report, said that the pastor met with him for lunch. And while he was in the middle of the pitch, the man said, don't worry, I'll pay. You. And that's something. Now, now, my big question is, is this, and I'm just going to be honest. What's the pastor right for going outside and soliciting wealthy donors to help with the church? I I mean, that's a hustle. That's a hustle. That's a big hustle. And I think every pastor wants to do that, but don't have the the courage to actually go and do that. And for the man, the man's reply as to why he donated and, and, and paid off, he said, because he wanted to reflect the goodness of God and what the Lord has blessed him with. And so that's why he that's why he did what he did. Uh, and, you know, I know that there are a lot of wealthy persons who give toward a lot of charities, but they don't give to the church anymore. Um, most don't care for the church or organized religion, for that matter. Uh, you know, there was a time when people were given to the church People were given to these uh wandering Mahatmas or whatever they call it, gurus. You know, they were given to these 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 people, these organizations in search of spiritual uh, awareness or whatever it may be. And they felt that there was a means of doing that. And even the guy who the daughter said it was it it was a practice of sacrificial giving on his part. So he was able to sacrifice seventeen million dollars. You should have come down to the south to Jackson, Mississippi, into urban ministry. <laughs> you gave the suburban ministry. Shouldn't given? You know, we could have used it here in urban ministry. There are plenty of good old churches down here in the South. You could pick and choose. <laughs> uh, but my question is, you know, the, the question to me is, you know, what's Pastor Alvin Ward going to do that? It wasn't the community's burden. It was his burden. He's the one who took leadership in building that mega complex. And I, I do understand he's like, well, I'm trying to keep the burden off you, but you shouldn't have built the building to begin with if you knew it was going to be that much. But then again, I don't know. You know churches are uh, it's a different thing. I don't, I can't say, I can't hate on what he's doing up there. But uh, according to the Christian Post, uh, Eagle Brook Church is uh, the 11th ranking, uh, number 11, 11 11th. Largest mega church in the country. Isn't there something? Wow. So it, it says a lot, you know, for them to have that many thousands of members and uh, the big com- complex there and to have that,
0: uh,
1: to have someone pay that off makes me only hope that somebody will hear my faintest cry and do likewise. <laughs> when that powerball and, and uh, you know, I'll read I'll I will name a building after you <laughs> if you donate. <laughs> I mean that's what that's what they do. That's, that's really what happens. That is really what happens. You know, colleges you donate enough, they'll name a building after you. So uh if you're listening out there, if you win money from the power of the ball, you can donate it to the new Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church. I don't turn down money. Now that that's legal money, I ain't gonna turn. You know, I'm not gonna turn down that because you're already gonna pay taxes. And you know, hey, is what it, the government can take your taxes. I can take your money too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just thought I would share that. You know, in light of today's Powerball pulling, uh, maybe somebody would win. Maybe collection will win. Maybe the group I'm with will win. Either way, it's 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 an amazing thing to see what, what will become of this matter. And if it will ever get you know, this is the highest it's ever been in history. Makes you wonder if it will ever get higher than this in the time to come. Because, you know, now more people will be willing to put more risk. And speaking of money, I came across this story. First, uh, in my Facebook feed, and I just thought it was, was worth um, reporting. So a group of Christians go into this restaurant. They eat. They uh, enjoy the meal, enjoy the service. And then they leave, and they leave something on the table for their server. The problem was, what they left on the table was worthless. They left a fake $20 bill Bible tract that said, uh, you need more than money, so many things, you know. Uh, you need more than money, you need Jesus. And yeah, I took offense when I saw it. I'm like, that is so rude. How is it that you can go to a restaurant, enjoy the service and food provided by the restaurant, and then be so trifling, not in, not to leave a tip, but to leave a fake tip, a Bible track. You didn't even take your time to witness. I <laughs> that's not witnessing. That's not witnessing. You know that's intentional fraud. You know, that Bible tract looks like a $20 bill. The young man who took it thought it was a $20 bill, said it was the largest tip that he thought he would ever get, and it turned out to be a Bible tract. That's not how you witness. If you want to share Christ, you're supposed to be bold. So every time your server came, you should have been interacting with that person. You should have been saying to that person, we are followers of Christ. Do you know Christ? Are you a disciple of Christ? Would you like to be a disciple of Christ? Here's how. And you give them the gospel message. You don't trick them. You do not trick them. That is the worst thing that you can do. Trick them. Deception. Jesus never used deception in his earthly ministry. But unfortunately, you know, in the contemporary church, it seems like we're thriving on deception. From the preachers to the members. We thrive on deception. We try to fool God and ourselves and others. But I just thought that was the rudest thing. Just thought that was the rudest thing. But uh, it is what it is. Some people, that's how they are. Some people will never, you know. I I just can't understand the hearts of some Christians. You know, how can it be so petty, messy, fraudulent, and all of that? That does not serve. To help the cause of Christ. the only intended it, it it really only aids in how people view the church of Christ, the body of Christ. And it's sad, it, it really is sad. I'm right, gonna take a quick break. I got one more story I'm gonna share, then we're gonna get out a topic today. I have a uh Pastor Dollar uh from the watch night. We'll play that clip and then we'll give some commentary. On that clip, uh, you're always welcome to join in. Call 347 237 5230. That's the number to call. Get your thoughts on the air. And while y'all are getting ready to call in and all that stuff, my little dude is out there beating on the door, wanting to go outside. So <laughs> I'm gonna move as quick as I can <laughs> to get out of there. But we're gonna take a break, we'll be right back. <laughs>
0: al 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 I was born to push papers. I was born to push myself. To go where I'm needed. To keep this country safe. I was born with the backbone and brain power to take on any mission. This is my office. I was born ready. Go coast. At farmers, we make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry. Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Hey, what are you doing today? I'm backing up the computer. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. Hmm. Did you get everything backed up? Took care of it. For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com.
1: Every family has a breach somewhere in its history. Things that one wants to discuss, or in some cases, want to repair. There's a story in Genesis that has to make it a reality television show. It's the story of the grieving father, deceitful mother, and the twin boy who managed to get ahead in life by getting no go on his own brother. This is the story that Pastor Neil takes, I use, in my book, A Breach in the Family. It's a story of Judah and Tamar and their children, but it's also a story of redemption. So I want you to go. Go to my webpage right now, LorenzoTNeal.com, and order your copy today. And if you, can't, if you don't want to do it, it's also available on Amazon, and it's also available on Kindle Books. So get your copy. I'm telling you, this is a story worth reading and sharing because everybody has a breach in their family, but Jesus can repair the breach. So go check it out. Appreciate all that you do to support it. But get your copy today, A Breach in the Family, by me, Pastor Lorenzo Neal.
0: You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal.
1: Today again, I'm Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I'm pushing my book. So if you ain't got a copy, get a copy. <laughs> All right, uh, before the break, I wanted to share one more story with you. I, I this is one of the better stories I've ever heard and touched me. and I, I think it's a wonderful story. It's the story of uh, Darrell Burton. Darrell Burton was a convicted felon, convicted of a crime he did not commit, spent 24 years. In jail, in prison, 24 years in prison, exonerated. And you know, when men are in prison, yeah, most of them, they they have that, you know, they 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 go through that spiritual search, you know, that spiritual quest. Most of them become Muslims. If they're African Americans, most of them become Muslims. And the ones who don't become Muslims, they they return to the faith of their, their you know. Their parents or grandparents. And in the case of uh, Mr. Burton, it was his grandparents, his grandmother's faith and what he learned and what he heard and what he remembered from her. He retained while he was in prison and he developed a strong relationship with the Lord. And eventually, because of the help of several different agencies, uh, they came to his aid and helped exonerate him. And he, he got out of prison and he you know he was excited about being free and he wanted to go and help and one of the ways he thought about helping was of course in prison ministry and, uh work release in those areas of uh, uh reentry and things of that nature and so uh he was approached by uh resurrection a church of the resurrection which is a, a mega church in uh Wood, Kansas they approached him to uh Helped him in ministry, and so he accepted their their opportunity. He had already interned with them in a, a position, and he enrolled in seminary. And, and here's the thing, he didn't have a college edu- I mean, a high school education, a college education. He had to do a lot of remedial. He had to do all the kinds of stuff uh, required for credentialing by the Methodist Church. He enrolled in seminary. He's grad. He graduated from seminary. And he was hired on to be one of the staff pastors at that church. That's the story of redemption to me. Uh, that's a story I think we miss so much. Um, and, you know, I I know that's a lot of people who have the testimony of what they were. you know, some of them have the testimony that had been redeemed from uh, or delivered from drug addiction and uh, prison and all of that stuff, or, you know, or whatever it may have been, you know. Those are the kind of stories that we hear a lot. Um, and for some reason, also, you know, a lot of pastors, that's the background. You know, they come out of a certain That's not my testimony. I've never been a drug addict. I've never, you know, I was the, the good church boy. <laughs> that's the reality. I didn't. My testimony is not anything bad. I, you know, I grew up in the church. I stayed in the church, never prayed from the church, never swayed from the church. But I love hearing stories of redemption like such as this. It gives me hope. And it gives others hope, especially when, you know, uh, you have churches who take the time out. This guy was a convicted felon, even though uh, his uh, felony was overturned, he was exonerated. Uh, Many businesses won't even hire him. It is just a great, is a great example to the secular world about the forgiveness of God and Christ, the love of Christ, and that we are, as a body of Christ, we are people of, the God who gives second chances, not just second chance, third, fourth, 25, 1 million chances. It's always a wonderful thing. Uh, It's always a wonderful thing to hear. And so uh, pray for Mr. Uh, Burden and for the leadership there at the church of the resurrection. Uh, It's just amazing to hear stories like that. And I love sharing it. And, um, I'm eventually going to post this. I, I was trying to post it on my Facebook page, uh, but I, I was having difficulty. But it'll be up on my Facebook page, and I'll share that. And I hopefully others will share it also. It's a wonderful story. Now, let's get into the book of what we're going to talk about. I'm a pastor, and, you know, we preachers, we like, when we're preaching, we like that callback. You know, we don't like the clapback. We like to call back. We don't want people clapping back at us. We want people going with us. We want to hear the Amen corner. We want people to be on our our page in our groove in our moment. You know, we we want to hear that. And when we hear that, that makes us preach. But every now and then we get somebody who might not say Amen may be a little rude. And you know, it happens. I've been in the congregation and I've never happened had it happen while I was preaching. But I have been in services where and this came from a preacher. The preacher was heckling the other preacher. And I I just tried not to laugh because the way it was it was happening it was hilarious. But uh, most preachers don't experience that. Most preachers get to experience a congregation that uh that will support the message even if they don't like it, you know, they'll still say, hey, Amen, if they want you to hurry up. They'll 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 oh man, now my computer is acting up. But you know it's, it's always something. Try to uh I have the clip of um uh, Clefro Dollar and I was trying to uh sync that up, you know, get it ready play and look well, now the computer's just going to all right there we are i think we're back in school. all right live tele- live live radio never know what's going to happen all right so let me set this up for you set this clip up it is watch night service and of course like many other churches uh a uh, Pastor Cresswell Dollar in the World Changes Church International, College Park, Georgia, having a watch night service, and um, I don't know what the how the service consisted or how long it went. Uh, but during the time of the U- New Year coming in, Pastor Cresswell Dollar was preaching or teaching or whichever one he did. I don't know, but apparently somewhere in his congregation there was. Uh, A person or a group of persons who loudly proclaim the new year coming in. And when I say loudly because you know I've been to the World Dome and I know how large that sanctuary is and I mean (laughs) I I just can't fathom how how you know I don't know. But anyway, the disturbance was enough to rattle past the dollar so much so that he interrupted his sermon to uh, address the heckler. So I'm going to play this clip, and then we'll have some commentary afterwards. All right. Again, that was Pastor Creflo Dollar and he was responding to a heckler or a group of hecklers um, that interrupted his sermon because the new year had come in. And you know, it seems harsh to me. That, that's just me. Uh, because again, if you've never been in uh, the world do You've never been there. It's uh, it's, it's pretty massive. You know, I think it's about 8,000. It seats at least 8,000 comfortably. So, you know, uh, you got, and I, I saw the clip, and although you couldn't pan, uh, well, there's, there's two different clips that I saw. One was on uh, Miss Justice, who is with Church Folk Revolution, and the other one I can't recall, where, uh, where this was, but one was more like periscope kind of, you know, it was cell phone footage, and the other one was from the camera. And I'm not sure if it was a professional camera or if it was, again, cell phone footage that was just better quality than the other other clip. But kind of panned around, you could see, in one clip you could see that most of the first section was entirely full. So that's about maybe two, 3,000 persons right there. So it, I, and I'm guesstimating, I could be mistaken. It probably wasn't even that that many people. That I doubt it, but, you know, I'm quite sure there was at least four or 5,000 persons there. Because uh, he has, what, 30,000 members or so that claim, that he claimed, it could be, I, I don't know. But anyway, this group was loud enough for him to hear from where he was on on the pulpit. And you know, if it were me, this is me, I would have just let them have their little, you know, have that little moment and keep preaching. I you know, but from the response that he gave, you could tell that it was very irritating. Now I'm gonna play that one more time so you can get the gist. Uh, listen to how to how how displeased he was.
0: Now, hey, hey, sit down. I don't care if there's no New Year. Know don't interrupt me preaching. I don't care about no New Year. <laughs> get your butt down. I don't care about no New Year. I'm trying to help you to get it right with New Year. Don't interrupt the wedding. No, in the God, why you trying to talk about New Year? You out your mind? The New Year will be there when.
1: From the beginning uh one he felt that what he was saying was more important than the celebration and i can understand that you know we preachers we, we we can be a little bit egotistical we want what we say to be be heard uh when i grew up when i started preaching as a kid you know you didn't leave out the sanctuary while i was preaching you know you didn't you didn't do anything you sat there and if you had to go to the bathroom, you had to hold it in, and sometimes the preacher would be an hour long. You know, you didn't move. And then even after that, when they gave the invitation, you know, open the door of the church, you still didn't move unless you were going up there to sit in the chair or give the minister your hand. You didn't move. It was, it was a sacred moment. So I can understand. I can understand the reaction. Okay. Now, the other part that kind of disturbed me is when he said, "I'm trying to help you." Well, you know, you know, yeah, but it is what it is. again. It goes back to us, you know. We we think we 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 want to believe that what we're saying is being received, not grudgingly, but being received cheerfully. That we're sowing, and we're you know we're not sowing. Know, when we're not just scattering meagerly. You know, we're scattering, we're sowing fruitfully, hopefully. And so we want we want people to be receptive. Uh and, and it can be distracting. You know, I passed the small churches where it's only five or six people and people get up, and every time somebody moves, it's a distraction. And even in, you know, so perhaps that was part of it. And, and I can imagine, I can imagine that the the I can imagine that. It's probably a collective group of people somewhere in the back that said it loud enough that didn't think that they would be heard but and so I from that perspective, I think you know I think he would he he was right to kind of just the fact that you know, hey, I'm preaching, you know, just chill No, you know, new year, it's new year, you already know it's going to happen. you knew when I was up preaching if you come to the church regularly, you know about how long I preach, so if I got 30 minutes scheduled, you are, you know, my sermons are usually 30 minutes long, then you already know I'm gonna be 30 minutes. And so you just gonna have to wait till I'm finished to ring in the new year. Or you, you know, if it was visitors, they still should have been aware that, okay, well, we're in church. You don't bring the church, you don't bring the new year in the same way in a club as you do in the church. If the preacher is preaching during 12 o'clock, then guess what? You just receive. (laughs) And uh, you don't do that. So I I, I can probably understand, you know, I'm trying to, I I doubt if it was just one person. I I doubt it. I could be mistaken because, again, this is only a clip. It's only about a minute long. The other one is just about the same. And I'm just going to go with the assumption that there are, you know, it's a group of people who, at the moment the new year came in, felt it necessary to decree happy New Year, even though Krelin dollar was preaching now now this is where it gets fun this is where it gets fun. <laughs> he goes to uh about twenty seconds in, he's like, "What the heck? <laughs> I know what he really wanted to say, <laughs> but he 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 says, I'm trying to help you. You're not listening. And if you don't get it, it's your fault. So if your new year is crushed, that's on you, not me, because I'm doing my part. Now, I know that's not what he said, but I'm I'm doing a whole lot of eiseges, <laughs> a whole lot of eiseges, reading into it, putting more into it than it was there, because that's how it was articulated. That's how it came across. What I'm doing is more important than what you wanted to celebrate, because, you know, I got the word from God, and all you got is a little fireworks and you ain't gonna miss that but then the part that bothers me is where he well I won't say bothers me but he says that I'm graced to correct you and that caught my attention Uh, because I wonder how much church discipline does Pastor Dollar engage in when he says he's graced to correct how I wonder how often have people interrupted his sermon? Or is he even aware sometimes, you know, because, you know, you watch the broadcast on television and it's so well polished. Everybody's quiet until they're responding to something he says. You hear the crowd. So you wonder, one wonders, how often does that happen? How often is he able to hear people talking, the reactions, or does he care? Or was it just an off night for him and he just was in the moment and, you know, showed himself? And then had to say, "Well, the reason I'm worn off on you is because I'm graced to correct you. I'm your pastor." And he made the assumption that those were members or, or you know attendees. While you're here, I'm your pastor. If I'm not your pastor while you're in this building at this moment, I'm your pastor, and I'm graced to correct you. How many of you think? How many people do you think will return to church after that? How do you think that group or that person and that person will return after being blasted like that. And like I said, I've been in I've been in services where that has happened. I mean me. I mean bishops blast folk all the time. <laughs> it really do. It ain't nothing new in the African Methodism. But we understand we understand you know that, that would not happen outside of uh confine a constraint of, of a meeting like, you know, you know bishop going to put you on blast because of something that he is seeing, he or she is seeing and he or she is really graced to correct because they, in our Reformation, are graced to a point <laughs> or disappoint. A disappoint. So, I mean, the reason I ask that is because here you have some a pastor who blatantly uh, handles a heckler but the question is, what what would be the end result of that? Would well, that, you know, what's the, what's the point? You know, you have thousands of people there. And, yes, I, I completely understand how the interruption may have, how the interrupt may have distracted you. But, like I said, you know, I, I'm i correct also. And I'd be like, look, chill, and go right back into my sermon. I probably wouldn't have even addressed it. I probably would have looked at it and said, all right, and matter of fact, I have that you know uh I, I there's some people that don't allow babies in you know in the sanctuary and preaching in that and I have I have had babies. I've never disallowed mothers having their children, toddlers or babies in the in the pool in not in the pulpit in, in the in the pew during Sunday service. And when those babies cry or when the children make the noise. And they've done it while I'm preaching I just rode with it, like okay you know because I understand you know from a, that they're babies they're children they have to be trained when an adult does it when adult does it even though it does not happen to me but I have been in again I've been in the service where it has happened uh, then it's very disrespectful and it should be addressed uh, properly addressed but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be something that that takes away from the moment of the anointing the anointing preaching and, and i think that's what happened now again uh we don't know what happened following the clip did he go back into his sermon what happened how did they go or any of that but i can clearly say <laughs> i i can't say that uh should that have happened to me i uh, i probably would have i would have done a very similar reaction i ain't a lot um I would have addressed it. I definitely would have addressed it. Uh, and I would have gone so far as to say that I'm trying to help you now. I don't, I don't think I would have done that. And I don't think he should have done that also because the people are there, not for him. They're there to hear a word. And the arrogance, and, and, and I, I put myself in this category too because I've done it, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher and I'm a pastor just like him. Sometimes we, we forget that we're only vessels. We carry the word. We are not the word. And I can preach all I want to, and there'll still be people who will care less about what I say. They'll still keep coming to the church because I still have folk, I've had grown people fall asleep during a sermon. I'm serious. And those persons, you know, they're not receiving what I'm saying, they're sleeping. And I can see them sleeping. And I, I, I'm not going to address it, all, but they're sleeping. And don't take away from what I am called to do at that moment which is still proclaim the word of God. Is it a distraction? Yes. Would I prefer to stop and say, wake that person up so they can hear me? Yes. But why don't I? Because I'm like, well, if the Lord wants them to receive what I'm saying, he will drop it in their spirit he'd he he'll, he'll get it to him. I mean, after all, he's sovereign. He doesn't need me to get the message across. According to the scripture, he's a donkey. <laughs> so, I mean, I think there could have been a better way of handling that. But when you put it into perspective of prayer and the idea that he is the most important thing at that moment, Well, God is always the most important thing. That's why we're symbol. Yes, the moment of preaching is a sacred moment. The hour of worship, those moments of worship is sacred space. It should be revered. It should be counted as such. And, you know, such revelry should not be, you know, the people should come knowing that, hey, yeah, this is a watch night service, but we ain't trying to bring in the new year by saying happy new year. We're bringing in the new year with reverent worship and praise and listening, ready, readiness to receive the word of God. That's how we should do that. So, you know, there, there's dysfunction in this, in that moment, that clip on so many levels, there's dysfunction. But it's a learning, you know, for me, it's a learning lesson, because I I, I, I can see the humanity of Creflo Dollar now, more than I had before, you know, I once Held him in high esteem and all that. But I can see that he gets just as irritated during his service as I do. And he's just as much as a, I won't say, a, well, he's just, you know, pastors, we get irritated. We have people that irk us. We have people that get on our nerves in the moments before we have to preach and the moments while we're preaching and sometimes the moments after we're preaching. And that he gave an example, you know, he was an example of that. Every time we ain't in the Spirit, he was clearly in the flesh. That wasn't the spirit of God. He wasn't. That wasn't God using him to correct that person. That was him speaking out of uh, displeasure. I won't say anger, although it does can It can it does come across as him being a bit angry. Uh, but it's very displeasurable, taking away from the moment. And it, it, you know, I understand the moment, and I'm not defending Creflo for what the action was. Reaction, rather. reaction was, but the moment, I do understand. And, you know, again, until we reestablish the sacredness of the service, things like this will always happen. People come to church for entertainment. And, you know, I'm guilty of it. Others are guilty of it. And we have to reestablish the sacredness of the service. You come to the service expecting. Matter of fact, one way you know, the AME church, we open a service with this call. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. And before the service, people are supposed to enter reverently and prayerfully. They have to come quietly. You don't talk. You come, you sit, and reverently wait for the worship service to begin. And you call as as the as the service is called to order, a call to worship. You know, you, you you again reinforce the idea that this is a reverent moment. This is not just for us to carry on uh, a liturgical moment. Oh, my goodness, my dude. <laughs> my, <laughs> yo, I got the funniest dog. And, and you see what I was just talking about, interruption? My dude, my little dog just came and <laughs> he's looking in the window like, I see you. Come open the door for me. <laughs> see, that's I was in the I was in my moment, and my dog just came and interrupted my moment. Am I grace to correct my dog? Yes, because he's a dog. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. My my my. That, see, that's a teachable moment <laughs> for me like that. <sighs> the things we go through as a pastor. I'm not gonna let him out. Let him in until I finish the show. He just—I mean—I mean—he can learn. It's <laughs> just funny though. He came straight to my window and looked in my window. And was like I see you. You know I'm here. Open the door. <laughs> ah, that's a good laugh. What was I saying? What was I, What was I saying? Oh, we have to. <laughs> Reinstate the sacredness and reverence reverence of the service. When we, you know, it's one thing to set the atmosphere doing praise and worship. You know, we got the praise team. They're going to set the atmosphere for whatever. And then the preacher comes and preaches. But again, how we are entering the house is just as important as how we entertain in the house. How we enter the house if we're entering the house with reverent expectation, then we're going to entertain in the house with same, and maybe entertain is not the best word, uh, but we will, you know, we will have that same frame of thinking that I am here for one purpose, the purpose to worship in this moment, whatever however long this moment is, however mean whatever means this moment of worship may have. Take place as or occur as this moment is to be a reverent one, and I am to honor the time that I set aside in this moment to hear from the Lord and to give praise and worship to the Lord. And when we when we have that approach, it's different. It's different because you know people will know that okay. Uh, I won't do certain stuff. You know, it used to be a rule back in church, don't chew gum, don't don't chew gum, and, uh, you know, still no pool of water allowed in the sanctuary except in the pulpit. <laughs> um, but now, you know, we have so much things. Children, I, I saw a, a picture of these kids, cute kids, but during moments moment of service, the kids are on their electronic devices, their phone, their pads, or whatever. And they're not paying attention to the service. The parents are, are not taking that away from them and making them pay attention like we had to do when I was a kid. Had a little girl, you know, catch one of the little uh, children. And then Pastor Neal, this past week, Pastor Neil, can you give me the Wi-Fi code? Like, no. Like, I need it though. I said, no, you don't. She's like, I just want to play a game. I said, no, that's not what you're here for. I don't play my games on my phone. Yes, you do. You always have your phone. You always have that. I said, no, baby. No, when you see me either on my phone or on my pad, my sermon is there. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm just going going through. She's like, oh, I thought you were playing games like me. I said, no. Uh no, I don't play games on my phone from the pulpit. So, I mean, uh, said all that, and I just felt a bit of conviction myself, maybe I should leave my, I should go back to the old way of bringing my, you know, my, my notes and paper instead of using them on my, you know, my devices, because it makes it seem like I'm, you know, I'm not paying attention either, so hey, I hey maybe I should do that. Anyway, I gotta get out of here. I just thought I'd share that. that. <laughs> uh, I just thought I'd share that, and I, I would still love to hear your feedback on whether it was too much. Did Craig go too far? You know, did he allow his emotions to over, oh, you know, overrule that moment? I, and I can understand. You know, I, again, I do understand the moment. The moment is sacred. And when we're in our groove as preachers, we don't want to be interrupted. And sometimes a simple distraction can cause a lot of interruption. So it is what it is. Listen, I appreciate your great support. I, I again want to invite you to purchase a copy of my book, A Preacher in the Family. It's available on Amazon and Kindle. And you can go to my website, com, and purchase it also. And, um, uh, if you purchase off the site, I will send you an autographed copy. Just want, you know, I'm trying to push these because uh, this is the second printing of the book. And first printing, I gave away more copies than I, I sold. And, you know, I know it's not about profit, but it does cost. Printing does cost all of that. And so that's why I'm, I'm trying to promote it as much as I can. And uh, we have another book that we'll be hopefully uh, have ready soon, Preaching Fallacies. We've been working on this book for a while. And uh, this is going to be an exciting project. I'm, I'm excited about it, and I hope that you all will be excited about when it gets, when it finally is available uh, for uh, purchase. But anyway, if you're in the Jackson Metro area, we want to invite you to come out and visit us at New Bethel Amy Church, 2202 Decatur Street, and you will come and be blessed. We have a wonderful Bible series going on, wonderful Christian education ministry. I'm very excited about that and where it's going and we invite you to come out Sundays at 11. Uh, come and be a part of us. We are a church that is relational, encouraging, authentic, and loving. If you're in the Atlanta metro area this weekend, I will be in Atlanta with the Black non-believers for their fifth anniversary celebration. I'll be making presentation on Saturday afternoon, um, and this is a, a, a secular group, free thinkers, atheists, non-believers. but I'm just delighted to have been in, invited by the founder uh um, Mandisa Thomas I'm looking forward to it so if you're in the Atlanta area I'll be there on Friday and Saturday at the uh the uh Holiday Inn North Airport Airport North one of those I can't remember. but anyway you can visit uh Lorenzo TNL get information about that or black non-believers uh, on their uh their site you can get the itinerary and, and wonderful uh, I'll come to the event. Now, this is not about heckling. It's not about converting. I'm going to present uh, about our connected experience, our connected existence as believers. And as non-believers, we all have a purpose to empower each other, whether we, I know some people, I think I'm, you know, I'm a heretic for this, but believe in God or not, we are humans first. and It is our job to love and liberate each other having said that I want to invite you all to that and continue to pray for leadership of all this all uh our country and nation and everybody so it is what it is and I'm going to get out of here um and my computer frozen oh there we are. so until next week we are hoping that we have a great week hoping that you have a great weekend and Catch all the archive shows. Download. You can go to iTunes and catch a backup show. Go to uh, uh, Zero Network today on Facebook and catch backup shows. Uh, Block Talk Radio slash Zero Today archive shows and let us know how we're doing. But we appreciate all your stuff.